All right. Well, today we start a series on biblical parenting. So, and not only that, it's it's about our influence on the children, not just parenting. It's about how we one another with each other. So today we'll we'll discuss we'll discuss many points of that. The first passage of scripture I will be going to is out of Galatians 5:22 and 23. But first I want to kind of give you a little bit of background how I came up with this series and why we actually need to look at a more pluralistic way of parenting because of the fact that I know Dr. Stokes just ended a series about looking at things through a biblical worldview. And the way that I've been able to see the scriptures is because of my professional background. And that's because I've been working with families and with children for over a decade now. And basically that's given me glasses to see the Bible in a way that I can see the scriptures and what it teaches us about parenting. So there is that background there. And hopefully through this series I can give you a little bit of uh, that tint of parenting within the scriptures and what I see within those passages. Today I also want to encourage us as I said, it's about pluralistic parenting. We're one anothering with each other. So even if you're not a mom or a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, an aunt, and an uncle, you still have influence on our children here at the Disciple Center. Whenever you stand, when we've done a baby dedication, you stand there and you bless the uh, child in the family. I want you to know that you have an influence on that child and their family. Let me give you an example of this. One such example is um, as the kids grow up and my daughters, Rebecca and Hannah, are only two and one. You may not know it, but Sophia and Victoria, Jeremy, Jacob, you guys all have influence on my children. They look up to you. And in the same way, my children will have influence on the younger ones in this congregation. So there is an investment that we have in co-parenting and we need to one another maybe a little bit more but in that sense it is out of that Galatian passage that we need to do this in such a way that's godly and biblical whenever we see each other that they're doing a great job we need to be actually encouraging one another saying hey I know it's tough sometimes but I can see you're trying to raise them in a proper way that's biblical I love the fact that I've heard some parents recently telling their kids, look, you're going to follow my instruction because the Bible tells me I have to follow through with this. You have to do what I say because the Bible teaches me to correct you in these ways. And at that point, that's when I've said to a few people, great job. Thank you very much for loving your kids enough to correct them. But let's look at the way that we have to talk to one another and understand, and hopefully know that when somebody approaches us with a way that we maybe need to be correcting our kid that we may not see, we know they have the best benefit in mind for us. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 say, But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, joy, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. You see, if we come and we approach 
each other in such a way, hopefully, when we have to point out that, hey, your child, I've been noticing this pattern, and they're just not listening to you. Can I help you? Can I give you something in mind on how to practice and work with them on that? Or maybe you just say, hey, I notice it's been tough. Um, I just want to say I know parenting can be hard. And we can do this as an individual who's not married as well. I, I did that as I was going into the profession of working with kids and families. And I just noticed that sometimes that encouraging word would be something that parent needed. So if we do this biblically, we'll have all those aspects when we come across uh, with the other parent that may be struggling to correct a certain behavior of their child. And if we believe that they, are, they have the best intentions for us, it will be accepted a lot easier. Let's go on and take account now on how God views children to us. And that's found within the passages uh, of Scripture in Psalm 127. How does God see us whenever He gives us a child? There are many, many people out there who are struggling to have children. And I think sometimes in our congregation, because we have so many, we can take it for granted. So we actually need to understand how God sees a child when He gives them to us. And Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. What do we do with gifts? Do we take care of them? Or do we trash them? Do we throw them around? No. I think I have a gift here. And I'm glad you're sitting here, Mary, because I've already practiced and planned this. I was going to give this to you to take care of it. Now, would you smash it with your foot, or would you take care of it if God gave you this gift? Yeah. Do you want to know what's in it? Go ahead and open it. So today, as she's opening this, there is a gift for everybody within this box that I want you to be able to use on a daily basis if you wish to correct maybe some struggles that you have. Some shoes, maybe there's some shoes in there. Oh, but there's a little baby that my daughter really needs back. (laughs) I know. But there are these other sayings, if you can pull those out there, Mary. And if you will pass these out to everybody. I'll take this back from you. Thank you. The little thing you can put in a book, or perhaps you even put it somewhere where you can use it, says positive legacy or struggling future. You see, those are two things that you have a choice to do with your children. You can either pass on a positive legacy in your own behaviors, or you can choose not to struggle with your own behavior and correct it, and pass on a struggling future. You see, even within the scriptures I'm going to show you today are passages where some of them were good, and they passed on a positive legacy to their children and grandchildren, or we're going to look at some where they chose to actually pass on the struggling future. It was passed on 
through the generations. This, if you put it on in your car or you put it in maybe your dresser and you leave it on top and hopefully every day it ends on positive legacy. Thank you, Mary. Hopefully it ends up on positive legacy, but maybe, perhaps you decided not to challenge yourself to become a better person that day. I really want you to take this and be honest with yourself and leave it on struggling future. Because guess what? You allowed yourself to give your child and see, they were able to see your behavior that they're going to take on for themselves. And they're going to struggle with it in their own future if we don't correct it now. So this is for you guys. And I'm, another way to use this, dads, is if you come in from work and you're usually in a negative way, put it on your dashboard. Maybe take five minutes before you get home and look at this and pray about it. So when you walk in that door, you actually will be positive and interacting with your wife in a positive way, because then, then you will instill a positive legacy within your child. So these are for you. These are a gift for me. But God sees our children as a gift. So let's move on. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's talking about a behavior. You see, we all have struggles. We all inherited something from our parents that we didn't like. Maybe we still struggle with it. Maybe we don't struggle with it. And let me tell you this, my friends. This is a gift, right, from God. But if you choose not to struggle with it, you're basically saying, there you go. I'm passing it on to the next generation. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm passing it on to my kid. You're not taking that gift seriously from God. Let's take a look at one of those instances where it was passed on to the next generation. Genesis 12. I don't know if this is so much a sin, but I do know that Abraham, Abraham's own behaviors, we're going to see how they influence Isaac. And in Genesis 12, remember, Abraham's out sojourning, not in his own land, and he's worried, he's concerned that the kings of the land might do away with him. So what's he ask of Sarah? He says, please say to that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. He's asking her to lie, so that he won't have to suffer and possibly die because she's so beautiful. I want to see this continued. You can see this pattern of Abraham. He's continuing it throughout the time. And the reason why I want to do this is because I would imagine he did it even after Isaac was born. These are are in the scriptures showing that Isaac wasn't born, but I would imagine he continued it afterwards. And we'll see in a little bit. But Genesis 20, just a few pages over, says in verse 2, Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Basically, took Sarah to be his wife. 
But in verse uh, chapter 20, 10 through 13, it says, And Abimelech said to Abraham, God came to Abimelech and told him, What are you doing with her? And that's where we pick up. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What have you encountered that you have done this thing? Abraham said, Because I thought, Surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. See, he's rationalizing here. And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, This is the kindness which you will show to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. You see, this is something that Abraham never fixed. He basically took it, and the way that I kind of describe it, and Kara likes it too, is I say, basically he kicked it down the road to Isaac. Let's see where Isaac does this. Right? Isaac wasn't born yet. But these same type of passages are found in Genesis 26, 6 through 9. So, it is in the same territory, even though Abraham and Isaac had left. We see Isaac in that same territory of Gerar. It says, so Isaac lived in Gerar. When the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, saying something very similar, right? She is my sister, for he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. It came about when he had been there a long time that Abimelech came, king of the Philistines, looked out through a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebekah. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, certainly she is your wife. How then did you say, She is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I said, I might die on account of her. Very similar behavior of the father passed on to the son. This is something that we have to learn. We really need to take a look at individually. And I'm going to give you an example now. Right, This box isn't looking too pretty. My daughter, Rebecca, right? If we don't look in the mirror when we have children, we're in trouble. They show our behaviors. It's amazing to me that as a counselor, I go in and I help families. And what do they say? Well, I don't know why my son is doing that. Well, tell me a little bit more. Then I talk to the wife or the, the child. I don't know. My dad... My dad cusses on the weekends. My dad, you know, he gets very strong in what he says to my mom. And then he gets mad at me for being strong with my mom too. He's passing it along. My own instance. When Rebecca was born, I I didn't want to take care of this behavior. Because if there was something of Kara's on the floor and she just hadn't picked it up. Because all my stuff is already picked up, right? I would kind of toss it over there. Or at times I would kick it on the other side because I didn't want to take care of it. I was tired after a long day's work. Guess what happened? When Rebecca's about one year old and she starts toddling, what happens? I see this. Kara's sitting across the room. I said, it's time to clean up. 
wow. And at that moment, Kara's sitting over there, and she's like, oh. And I just look over at Kara, and she gives me that mom look that we all know, right? And I'm like, crap, I can't keep this up. I'm going to pass this on to my daughter. I asked her last, <laughs> last night, I said, I've gotten better at that, right? I'm about to preach on it. And she said, actually, you've gotten at least 99% better. There's, I'm like, praise God, that's working. But it's because I didn't want to pass on a struggling future to my daughter. I want to pass on the positive legacy. So, that's something we all have to look at. Let me say this again, Sophia, because my daughters aren't that much older than you. I want to invest in you. That's why I ask you sometimes about what you're doing. Because my daughters, once you're married, see, your dad's not flinching at all. He wants you to get married too. (laughs) But the thing is, I want my daughters to say, I want to talk to Sophia. She's not much older than me. And they're going to look up to you. That's why it's better to one another and pluralistic parenting. It's a way that we can all benefit. And dads with sons, I'm going to tell you right now, I may get to know you a lot better because if my daughter marries your son, I should have had some idea of how you were parenting. And I'd much rather marry somebody from within here if I know how the parenting was going on than somebody out there. Let's look at another example today. And that comes from, still from the same book, Genesis 26. Or we're in 26, sorry. Genesis 38. We're going to look at a sexual sin. And how it was passed on to the generations. Now, this passage I'm going to take and we're going to read further on. And then we're going to come back because it talks about the sons first. But first, Genesis 38, 12 through 26. Talking about Judah and his behaviors. It says, Now, after a considerable time, Shua, daughter of wife of Judah, died. So his wife dies. And when the time of mourning was ended, Judah went up to his sheep shearers at Timnah, he and his wife, or his friend, Hurrah, the Adalamite. It was told to Tamar. Behold, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear the sheep. Let me explain this a little bit first. So Tamar was supposed to be given to his third son if he was grown enough. But in this instance, she wanted to see for himself because she had already been married um, to Judah's firstborn and given to the secondborn to bear a child. And... The second-born son passed away, too. So that's what's going on. She wants to see if the third-born is old enough to help um, create some children. So she removed her widow's garment and covered herself with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in the gateway of Enam, which is on the road of Timnah, for she saw that Shelah had grown up. So the third child had grown up, and she had not been given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, for she had covered herself. 
So he turned aside to her by the road and said, Here now, let me come in to you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. Or, yeah. And she said, What will you give me that you may come in to me? He's propositioning a prostitute, if you will, um, and ta- and because he hasn't had relations in quite a while. Quite a manly thing to do, right? We all have needs, but supposed to do it within the context of marriage. And Judah here is not. He said, Therefore, I will send you a goat from the flock. She said, Moreover, will you give a pledge until you send it? He said, What pledge shall I give you? And she said, Your seal and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and departed and removed removed her veil and put on her widow's garments. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adalamite, to receive the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. He asked the man of her place, saying, Where is the temple prostitute who was by the road at Enim? But they said, There has been no temple prostitute here. So he returned to Judah and said, I did not find her. And furthermore, the men of the place said, There has been no temple prostitute here. Then Judah said, Let her keep them, otherwise we will become a laughingstock. After all, I sent this young goat, but you did not find her. Now, it was about three months later that Judah was informed, Your daughter-in-law Tamar has played the harlot. Hmm. He's about to judge her for something he was willing to do himself. And behold, she is also with child by harlotry. Then Judah said, Bring her out and let her be burned. Willing to kill his own daughter-in-law for something he did, he struggled with himself. It was while she was being brought out that she sent to her father-in-law, saying, I am with child by the man to whom these things belong. And she said, Please examine and see whose signet ring and cord and staff are these. Judah reorganized them and said, She is more righteous than I, inasmuch as I did not give her to my son Shelah, and he did not have relations with her again. His behaviors, he was willing to... He wasn't looking at his own behaviors, was he? But he was willing to basically take the same sin and do away with her. But he wasn't ready to look at herself. We've got to look at our own sin before we pass judgment on somebody else. We've got to work on our own problems. I'm going to tell you this. That's one reason I want you guys, if you guys see Rebecca or Hannah doing some type of a behavior, come to me and talk to me. Let's see if they do it a few weeks in a row. But I want you to point it out because then I know you're paying attention. I want to hear what you have to say. But going back to Judah, let's look at his sons. Going to verse 6 in Genesis 38. says, Now Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord took his life. I don't know what was going on there, but sometimes I have seen parenting where they weren't doing good, and we know that You know what? If Judah was willing to allow Tamar to be killed for a behavior that he was willing and he had already done himself, it's pretty evil. 
Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So when he went into his brother's wife, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord. So he took his life also. We have to watch our own behaviors. I don't know what Judah was like. I know later on he repents of his sin. And God uses the twins from Tamar to carry on the lineage of Judah. But perhaps, just perhaps, if Judah would have actually changed his behaviors, he wouldn't have passed along this to his children. And it would have been better. Okay, now that I've went enough about the behaviors, the negativity of what's going on, maybe we should look at some positive ways that God shows us in the scripture of how it can be carried on. Let's look at the positive legacy of Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 8. 's and in this passage of scriptures you guys are turning there talks about Paul and how he actually looks to his fathers and how he actually he is recognizing how he was instructed he's talking about the the passages the biblical fathers of course but we can gather information and be po- get positive reflection in many ways but then it talks about Timothy Many of us are here today because of our grandmothers and our mothers' prayers. Other than the prayers, we probably wouldn't have any any way to get here. But their prayers were heard. I know my prayers of my grandmother were heard as well as I stand here today. So, let us read 2 Timothy 1, 3-8. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason I am reminded you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you, Through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. You see, the same faith, rather than passing it along, we can see how Timothy. His mom, his grandmother, made sure that he had a positive influence of the faith. I don't know, they probably had their own struggles, as we all do. But we can see within this passage of how it has been better for Timothy than for somebody like that of Judah. 
So, let's look at Ezekiel 18. We had this read a little bit earlier. And 18 through 23. This passage says, As for his father, because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was not good among his people, behold, he will die for his iniquity. Yet you say, Why should the son not bear the punishment of the father's iniquity? Do I want do I want to be punished for my father and what he bestilled in me? No, I don't. And I thank God that these passages are here showing me that it's not. But I have to own my own behaviors now. When the son has practiced justice and righteousness and has observed all my statutes and done them, he shall surely live. The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment of the father's iniquity. Nor will the father bear the punishment of the son's iniquity. The righteous of the righteous will be upon himself. And wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed and observes all my statutes and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions, which he has committed, will not be remembered against him. Because the righteous, which he has practiced, he will live. Do I have any pleasure in death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than that he should turn from his ways and live? You see, I am grateful that God has given me an ability to see what I need to change. And I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't change those things. And I had some stuff passed along with me. And this is not a pretty gift anymore. And if we pass it on to our children, it's going to look even worse than what we gave it to them in. But I'm telling you, if we turn from our ways and say we need to change it, and we bring it to God, and we place it before Him, it's through the Holy Spirit. That it says in Acts 12, 1 through 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to be present. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this work, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. We can't do this ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit that can work through us. So that you may prove that the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And again, you take this nasty, ugly thing, if we don't look at it, that's what we're passing on to our children. But if we give it to Him, He can take that package, He can take that gift, and He can renew it. This is what I want to pass on to my children. This is what we should all want for one another. Now I come to the passage that brought me to this uh, series and this pa- um, reading today, and that comes from Psalm 78, 1 through 8. And it says, Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, 
But tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. And He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, giving us instructions on how to do this, which He commanded our fathers, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. This is the positive legacy. Don't be this next part. And not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. You see, we have a choice to pass on a positive legacy or to give our children the struggles that we continue to struggle with daily. There was a man I knew for many, many years. He served in the church that I went to. I want to read a portion of his obituary because it caught my attention and it talks about legacy. from his kids. You see, and this man not only influenced me, he's influencing you. And at the end, I'll tell you who he is at the end of the series. Because I stand here today teaching you guys and influencing your children. You see, he what it says, Daddy, your life, your words, your touch have influenced so many lives in such positive ways. We can never repay you. Or say to you enough for all you did as you served the Lord openly as a deacon for many years. And wherever he saw a need was quick to be a servant by opening his heart and at times in secret to help another person. Daddy, knowing the tender places of our hearts, you have created a haven of love and refuge and secured the legacy of love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that lives on in each of us and your grandchildren. You see, this man influenced me when I would see him as often as I did. This is something that even those who don't have children can actually have an impact on us. I pray that we will take this And we will pass on that positive legacy instead of our struggles. And as we go through this series, I pray that you will gain a little bit more insight on how these passages of Scripture, they have the bones and the structure on how to raise our children. And I hope I can expose you in that way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.